That was awkward. Sorry to leave you hanging. Who will give me a little bit of grace? Give me a little bit of grace. Give me a little bit of grace. Give me a little bit of grace. Everybody's got to go to the bathroom sometime. All right. We're in a series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. Today we're going to talk about when God seems late. See what I did there? You with me? Who hates waiting? Who hates waiting? All of our churches, who hates waiting? South Oklahoma City, you hate waiting. Keller, you hate waiting. Who hates on waiting for water to boil? Who hates on waiting for lights to turn green? Who hates waiting on airplanes and airports? Who hates waiting on their spouse? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Just trying to help bless your marriage. We're talking today about when God seems late. We're in a series when God doesn't make sense. And the reality is there are many of you right now, you're waiting on God to do something. You're praying about it. You're believing that God's going to do something. You know that he can, and yet he has not. And if you're like me, sometimes you start to ask the question, why doesn't God do something about it? Why doesn't God do something about it? I don't know what it would be for you. It might be a uh, financial challenge. It might be a job need. It might be a medical issue. It might be a relational issue. All of our churches, how many of you, let's just be real honest, and just, let's just get this out. How many of you have ever kind of asked in one version or another the question, why didn't God do something about it? Raise your hands up, raise your hands up. Yeah. Those of you without your hands up is because you're sitting next to it. You're married to it. You gave birth to it. Don't look at it. But, you know, why, God, why don't you do something about them? I don't understand this. You know? and, and the reality is all of us at different seasons of our lives, we face those waiting seasons where we know God could do something about this. We've seen him do it in other people's lives. We have faith for it, and yet God doesn't do what we think he should do. And so we end up waiting waiting. It's really hard, really awkward. Uh, I talked to a couple this week that's been waiting to conceive. They, 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 all, they just want to give birth to a child. And when you look at all the unwanted pregnancies, it makes you wonder when someone wants to give birth to a blessing, why, why are we waiting on this? Maybe for you, you know, you're waiting to, for God to provide the right job and you're, you're ready to work. You're, you'll, I mean, you're, you're ready to go and it's just not there. Maybe you're waiting for God to do a miracle in a relationship. It's interesting how this time of the year seems to highlight the strains that we often have in relationships. Maybe you're waiting for a house to sell. Maybe you're waiting for a child to come back to faith in Christ. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle in some kind of a physical situation where the doctors have given you a really bad report. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And you believe God could do something about this and you're praying and yet God has not done something about this. And you wonder, God, why aren't you doing something? Why are you making me wait? If you're taking notes, a key thought for today is this. I hope you'll embrace this. That with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Let me say it again. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. In fact, I want to show you this um, in John's Gospel today, chapter 11. We're going to look at a, uh, a really powerful story about two sisters and their brother, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. If um, you didn't grow up around church, you wouldn't necessarily know uh, that Mary and Martha, these sisters, were very close to Jesus. 
In fact, in Luke's gospel, there's a story about Jesus coming over to their house for dinner. It's, to me, it's a funny story because Martha's like some of you, she's wigging out, everything has to be perfect. Mary's just like chilling, doing nothing. And Martha's like, Jesus, tell her to do something. She's not even helping me out. And, you know, some of you, you're more like Martha. It's got to be perfect. Others of you are like, you're like Mary and everything's fine. But the point I want you to see is that Jesus came to their home and ate their homemade lasagna and he loved it. You know, in other words, they, they had a very close relationship with Jesus. And so when their brother Lazarus got sick, they totally and completely expected Jesus to do what he was doing for strangers, healing people. So certainly, Jesus would do the same thing for them. But God doesn't always make sense. Uh, John chapter 11, verse one and verse three says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. In other words, hey, you know, hey, go run this message to him, go find him, go tell him this. They sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Now, notice how intimate they were with Jesus. They didn't even say Lazarus' name. They just said, the one you love. They didn't even have to say his name. You're like, your best friend is sick. It's, it's kind of like that kind of thing. That's, that's how close they are. And they are certain, man, this is so in the bag. You know, we're worried about Lazarus, but Jesus is healing all these people. And so we know, I mean, look, Jesus is in our life group, right? He's been to our home, okay? He's gonna come back. This is gonna happen. And so they wait, and Jesus doesn't show up. The next day they know, hey, he's gonna be here. It just took him a while. He's gonna be here. I mean, he'll be here by lunchtime. Uh, isn't that Jesus coming? Oh, that, oh, 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 that's just the mailman, okay? Now he's coming. And look, this is Jesus. Lazarus, they're close. We know he's coming. We know he's coming. The next evening comes by. I can't believe he's not here. The next day, we know he's coming. We, know, we, we believe, we have faith for this. Then chances are they did a little bit of what sometimes I do. I don't know if you do this or not but you kind of start almost reminding God of why he should do something for you. I'm a good person, right? You know, I gave money to the fake Santa Claus with a red bucket at the mall. I did that, remember that God, right? Hey, look, I listen to Christian radio, the same songs over and over and over again. That's how much I love you, God. I listen to Christian music, you know? Hey, I tweeted a verse last week, a Bible verse. I mean, I used the right hashtag. I mean, look how bold I'm a witness for you, God. I serve at church. That's how holy I am. I, I serve in life kids in the two-year-old room with the tiny, crazy crackheads. That's how much I love you, God. You know, I've done all these kind of things, God. So certainly you're gonna do this for me. I mean, you were in our home, you ate my food, you know, we, we're close, right, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't show up. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So for those of you that are waiting right now, you're praying for something, you're believing for something, you, you have faith that God could do this and yet God is not doing something. I wanna give you two things to remember today that I hope will build your faith in the middle of the waiting season. The first thing if you're taking notes is this, number one, always remember this, that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Let me say it again. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In other words, just because God hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that God's not going to do it. Just because he hasn't answered your prayer now doesn't mean he's not gonna answer your prayer. In fact, in verse four, we read this about Jesus. 
When he had heard this, now what did he hear? He heard the one that he loves is sick. Lazarus, his buddy, is sick. When he'd heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Then he said something that's really profound. It's almost like, here's a new category for you to think about. He says, no, 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 no. It's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. In other words, I, I know this is going on and I'm still in complete control. And when you get to the end of the story, you're not, gonna, not only gonna see there was a purpose for it, but you're gonna see me, Jesus, glorified through this very thing that you never wanted to happen. I will be glorified through this. Remember that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In fact, I would argue that sometimes you may experience what I call a divine delay. It's a divine delay. It's a God-orchestrated delay. In other words, God may do what you want, but he's not gonna do it now because he has a different purpose. In fact, I would argue all day long that a lot of times God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. God wants to do something in you. There's a divine delay, there's a purpose. It's kind of like you'll do with your kids. You know, I could give you this now, but you need to learn something first before I give you this blessing that you want. God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. In fact, in my own life, during those waiting seasons, I can tell you, God has done a lot of things in me before he does something for me. When I've been waiting on God, God has given me patience, something that I do not naturally have. God teaches me to depend on him, to call on him. God teaches me to press into him. God teaches me to walk by faith and not by sight because sometimes I don't see what I want to see, so I have to trust him anyway. God teaches me to believe that his ways are higher than my ways, that he has a purpose even when I don't understand. God teaches me that when I am weak, that he is strong, that his strength is made perfect in me. Sometimes God wants to do something in you before God does something through you. He wants to do something in you before he does something for you. You may experience a divine delay. Just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he's not gonna do it. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. Mary and Martha, we gotta come, Jesus, you gotta be here, you gotta be here, you gotta heal him, you gotta heal him, you gotta heal him. We know you're coming, we know you're coming. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So time goes by and Jesus has not arrived. They're certain he will. Lazarus is, is really, 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 really sick. He's gotta be here any moment, Jesus has gotta be here. I mean, this is, this is what a friend does. And Lazarus fights for his last breath and dies. So much for the praise report in Sunday school class on Sunday. You know, where's God in this? I mean, Jesus is out healing Roman soldiers. We don't even like Roman soldiers. And he doesn't heal his close friend, the one that he loves. What do we do when God doesn't make sense? Eventually, okay, a long time later, Jesus finally gets here, okay? By the time he gets there, I mean, it, it's insultingly rude. Everybody's already, you know, they've all brought the meals in. They've wrapped the body. 
Lazarus' body. They put it in a tomb. The, the body's been there a day, another day, another day, another day, and Jesus finally shows up. It's like, now it's like, this is personal. Not only didn't you heal him, but you're not even here to comfort us when we're mourning. Okay, this, this doesn't make sense at all. Verse 17 tells us this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Somebody say it aloud. He's been in the tomb for four days. Okay, this is really important. First of all, if you read ahead, you're gonna find that what does a body start to do after four days? It starts to decompose, right? Um, in fact, the NIV version says by this time, um, his body had a bad odor, okay? The King James Version, it's funny, this really says, you can look it up, it says by this time, he stinketh. That's what it says. <laughs> Honest to goodness, look it up, he stinketh. I mean, that's the way you make a rank smell sound holy. You add an F to it, he stinketh. In fact, the Greek word translated as stinketh is the word pue. We get our word pui from, I'm just joking, that's not true at all. I just made that up, but wouldn't that have been funny, okay? So anyway, it's four days into it, and he stinketh, like, wee, ah, okay? Lazarus is rank. Now, it's important to understand that four days has tremendous significance. The reason is because people in the first century had this superstitious belief that for three days, the spirit would hover over the body. So for the first three days, they actually thought the spirit was close enough, maybe there could be some miracle. By day four, they believed the spirit was gone and so there was no hope. So day one, two, and three is like in the movie Princess Bride when Wesley was mostly dead. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Is he dead? No, he's mostly dead, okay? So Lazarus could have been like mostly dead on day one. Day four, he's all the way dead, okay? He's dead, the spirit's gone, he's completely dead. In other words, at this point, four days in, there's no hope whatsoever, it's game over. Jesus, you let us down, you failed us, you didn't even show up, I don't get this. And let me tell you what, some of you, if you have not experienced that yet, you will. What do you do at that moment? You could have done it, you did it for others, we've served you, you didn't show up, where are you? What's this all about Jesus? So verse 20, we read this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Oh, did she ever, okay? <laughs> Remember, she's the, okay? Mary, she's the introvert, she's, she's, she stayed at home, she's sulking. Martha's gonna give Jesus a piece of her mind, have you, okay? Verse 21, she stomped. Hand on a hip. Finger out, okay? I, this isn't in the Bible, but you just know. You just know in the spirit, this is how it happened. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Right? I mean, this is what's going on. She's hurt. She's a human being. She might be a little ticked. She might be really angry. Didn't you get my text? I said it days ago. Don't you tell me there's bad coverage on the other side of the map. You got my text when I invited you to dinner. You came over and ate my lasagna. You were there early, weren't you? You were there then on time. Now. She'd let him have it. I mean, th this, is, this is real life. Jesus, what were you thinking? Why didn't you? I can't believe this. After we're, I mean, we're close. After all I've done for you, you couldn't even do this for us. Okay, I love the reality of this text. So let, let me read that part again and then I'll read the next verse. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Then the very next verse says this. But I know, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. 
I, I love the reality of that because quite honestly, that's where I live often. God, why didn't you? And you could have, and I don't understand. But God, I still trust you. I told you last week about Anna. If you weren't here, my 17-year-old daughter, she slipped on, spilt water, ripped her knee up. She's a dancer. 26 months later after surgeries, after the best doctors, prayer, like prayer, 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 prayer injections, all this kind of stuff. She still can't dance. Her knee still swells up. She's still in pain. Okay, not the end of the world, but you know, as a parent, you're like, ah, oh, come on, God. Why did, she, why did she slip on water at church going to pick up joy, doing the right thing? Okay, why didn't she answer our prayers for healing? Why wouldn't it like everybody else, six weeks, eight weeks, they're better? Okay, best doctors in town, surgery, injections, why, 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 why? You know, she's still in pain, God, but I don't like this. If you had, I mean, God, look at all I do for you. I mean, I am the pastor of Life Church. See how you do without me. I'm just joking about that, but you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just totally joking, you know, but you know, you, you know how you get, like, hey, look what I'm doing. I mean, I'm serving. I'm, I drive the golf cart, okay? <laughs> I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about this. I don't understand, but I still trust you, okay? But I still trust you. Jesus, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened, okay? But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask, I love the reality of the Bible like that. And, and I honestly believe, I can't prove it, but I believe that God understands that. I really do, I, I do. Because I understand that as a dad, like sometimes my kids are like, dad, I don't like what you, I don't like that decision. But I know you love me, I still trust you. And I think God understands that and, and, and probably is even okay with it. I don't know, okay? And God's going, you, don't, you just don't understand yet, but, 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 but continue to trust me. So this is where some of you live right now. Okay, let's just call it what it is. You're waiting on something, and it's not happening. The financial situation seems to get worse month after month, and you're praying, and you're trying, you're, doing, you're working hard, you're doing the best you can. Okay? You're fighting for your marriage, and the harder you fight, the more disconnected the other person seems. You're like, why, 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 why? Okay? You're praying. You're praying for someone that you love. You're praying for a miracle, and you know God can, and he doesn't. And you kick back and you go, God, you're not meeting my expectations, okay? I believe in you, I trust you, I worship you, I honor you, I serve you. Why aren't you doing what I ask you to do? God, why aren't you meeting my expectations? The second thing to remember is this. If God always met your expectations, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let that sink in for a minute. If God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. Let me explain it like this. On page 907 in this Bible, at the bottom of the page, John chapter 11, there is no hope for Lazarus. The four days have gone by. He's, he, he stinketh, right? It's over. It's like, Jesus, you let us down. 907, there is no hope. The top of 908 is verse 23, and it says, 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. You see, I love that. 907, there is no hope. 908, Jesus says your brother will rise again. Let me show you again. Someone's not going to get this yet. 907, I see nothing. I see nothing. I, I, I prayed. It's over. It's, 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 this one, this one is, is in the record books. 907, I have no hope. We have no hope. 908, the word of Jesus. Everything can change in a moment. Verse 23, Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. She's confused. She doesn't get this. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In other words, we, we believe that, that one day the trumpet of God will sound and the dead in Christ will rise and, and we caught up together with him in the air. I believe that. I know that, Jesus. But Jesus said, no, 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 you don't understand. You see, I'm going to be glorified through this. I'm working another deal, okay? You, you, you thought that, that what you wanted was best, but I had something even better. Jesus said, what you need to understand is I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What you need to understand is I'm actually working a little illustration here. You see, you thought the resurrection would be an event. The resurrection isn't so much an event as the resurrection is the person. I am the resurrection. With me, death no longer has the final say. Death is not the end of the game. You see, when I die for your sins, whenever you put your faith in me, even though your physical body dies, you will not have to die. You can live with God forever in heaven because I am the resurrection and the life. If God always met your expectations, you see, he would never have the chance to exceed them. Mary and Martha expected a healing. Jesus planned a resurrection. What they wanted was good. What he had planned was far better. And I don't know who it is, but I came to tell somebody here that you're wanting something and you're praying for something. And if you got that something, it would not be as good as what God had planned. There may be a girl you're devastated because you want to marry him and oh, I got to marry him and I got to marry him and I got to marry him. And three years from now, when you married the other him, you're going to look back at the first him and go, thank you, Jesus. You didn't let me marry that other him because this one is such an upgrade and he loves you so much more. And the thing that you wanted is not as good as the thing that God had planned for you. You want the job. You want, I got to have this job. I got to have this. You don't get the job. And nine months later, you're in a job that you love. And the other job you wanted, they are downsizing and laying off. You're, oh, okay. If you gave me what I wanted, you wouldn't have the chance to exceed my expectations. We want you to heal them. We want you to heal them. We want you to heal them. And Jesus said, no, I'm actually going to raise this one from the dead because I want you to know that I am the resurrection and I am the life. And whoever believes in me, though they die physically, they never have to die spiritually because what you expected was not what I wanted. I had something far better planned for you. So Jesus looks at them. He's standing outside the tomb and he says, Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. <laughs> Verse 43, when he said this, he called out in a loud voice. Everybody say loud voice. 
Why do you say this in a loud voice? Because Lazarus has been dead for a while. Dead people don't hear very well. (laughs) Lazarus, wake up, dead boy. You're coming back to life. Scripture says the dead man came out. The dead man came out. The dead man came out. God did not give them what they expected. He exceeded their expectations. And I want you to understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. You're in the waiting zone. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. Perhaps God wants to do something in you before he does something for you. If God always did what you expected, he'd never have the opportunity to exceed your expectations. So just because you're not married now and you want to be married, you're waiting, you're waiting, doesn't mean God's not preparing somebody amazing for you, right? Just because your marriage isn't good right now doesn't mean that you're not going to come both to a place of submission to Jesus and find an intimacy in your marriage far better than you ever even dreamed possible. Just because your child isn't serving Jesus now doesn't mean that one day your child isn't going to be a passionate missionary serving Jesus in a workplace or overseas or wherever he or she is. Just because you don't see it yet doesn't mean that God isn't going to bring it about. You may wake up and realize one day that the scene of your greatest disappointment may become the setting for God's greatest miracle. The thing that you never ever wanted becomes the thing that God uses to reveal his goodness and plans for you beyond your greatest expectations. So, what do we do when God doesn't make sense? What do we do when we're waiting? On Tuesday, I got a phone call about um, a guy who helped us start the church 20 years ago, was there on the first weekend with us. Very first weekend, he helped us start the church. His daughter had multiple seizures, and um, they were so bad that her heart stopped beating for some period of time, and so I guess you could say she was dead. Well, they managed to revive her, but because she didn't have any um, oxygen to the brain for some period of time, it was a very horrible situation. And so they got her into ICU, and the best doctor started caring for her, and they they put her in a medically-induced coma for 24 hours so the seizures would hopefully stop. Well, 24 hours became 36 hours. Um, Amy and I made it there as soon as we could Tuesday night, um, and she'd already been in the coma for well over 24 hours by that time. That was Tuesday night. She's still in a coma, and the doctors still say, Um, this doesn't look real good. So, we're on page 907 right now. That's where we are. And I I don't know about you, but if you're a dad like I'm a dad, you can picture what it's like day after day, prayer after prayer, waiting, waiting, waiting. And so we're doing what we know to do. We're praying for a miracle. And we're praying for a miracle. And I'm praying like she's my own daughter. And I'd ask you to do the same. We are on 907 right now. I'm believing for a miracle on 908. There is no guarantee that she'll go home on page 908. 
Just like there's no guarantee that you're going to get a better house with granite countertops on 908. Or you'll always get a higher paying job. Or your spouse will always do the right thing. Or you'll always have a better year this year than last year. Okay? That's the American version of Christianity that's just not accurate. We're on 907 praying for a miracle. All I can guarantee you is that whatever happens on 908, Jesus will be glorified through it. He always is glorified through it. He always has a plan. We're on 907. I'm believing on 908. It says she was healed and went home to live an amazing life serving Jesus. But no matter what 908 holds, I'll trust God. If I don't understand, I may even tell him about it. I don't understand. But at your word, God, I believe you can do anything. So for those of you that are on 907 right now, and I know there's a lot of you, I hope you'll feel the presence and the love of God. That with God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. You see, God may want to do something in you before he does something for you. And here's the amazing thing, is that if God always met your expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. Because our God is a God who works in everything, good and bad, works in everything, to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in the waiting season, God, we choose to trust in you, believing you're always a good God. Father, I pray today um, for this precious girl and her family. We pray for a healing on page 908. And I pray for everyone else who's on a 907, has a 907 moment right now, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in their lives even now as we seek you. All of our churches right now, would you be really, really honest right now? I want all of you to participate. You all in Wichita, you all in Wellington, Florida, Mustang, Oklahoma, Keller, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, Albany, all of our churches. Those of you who say, right now, I, um, I'm on 907 in some area of my life. There's something I'm praying for. It's, it's not as I would like it to be. And I'm asking God for a miracle. And I want his help to trust him with 908. If that's you, would you lift up your hands right now? All of our churches, just lift up your hands in a moment of honesty and prayer. There's so many hands today. Father, I pray for each person at every single church. God, that your Holy Spirit would reveal your goodness to them even now. That we would sense the reality of the truth that with you, God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. That you're doing something in us, God. You're teaching us to trust you, to press into you, to depend on you. God, we pray for miracles. We pray for miracles. God, we pray for healing. We, we pray for restoration. We pray for forgiveness. God, we pray for, um, for financial provision. We pray for jobs. God, we pray for miracles. And God, we thank you that on 908 we'll see many miracles. Sometimes on 908 we'll want a healing and we'll see a resurrection, God. We'll see something better. But no matter what we see on 908, God, Help us to trust in you. So between 907 and 908, God, draw us close to you. May we become even more intimate with you. 
build our faith, and we will give you the glory, trusting that you are always good with what happens in 908. As you keep praying today at all of our churches, some of you right now, you're like 907, your life is like, ah, ah, this is horrible, horrible, horrible. I don't want to blame God for what's going on in your life right now, but here's, here's what I think, and it's just my opinion. I think sometimes God may allow us to get to a place where we have nowhere else to look but toward him. You'll do this with your kids sometimes, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let you go and let you go until, oh, oh, what I'm doing is wrong. And suddenly you recognize, I need help. I need, I need God involved in my life. I've really messed this up. I need, I need something different, something better. When you recognize that's where you are, let me just tell you about a God that doesn't make sense. A God who loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus, Jesus who was without sin, who said, I am the resurrection and the life. He died for our sins and he was raised from the dead. On the third day, his stone was rolled away and his tomb was empty. He was not there, why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever calls on him will be saved. Every sin that you've ever committed will be completely forgiven. There are those of you that you are with us right now. Someone in Moore, Oklahoma, you're with us right now because God wanted you to be here, and you know it. It's your moment. It's your time to say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I believe by faith that what you did was for me. I need the forgiveness of sin, so I trust in you at all of our churches. There are those of you, you recognize it's your time. You're here for this moment to say, yes, I surrender my life to you at all of our churches. Those who say, I need it. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. I, I recognize this is, the, this is why I'm here for this moment. God, I surrender my life for you. Jesus, I trust you and give you my life. It's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now and say yes? Up here, God bless you. Both three hands here in the middle. God bless you guys. Right back over here as well. Way back over here in the back. This side here, right up here. Praise God for all of you. Way back here in the back. Over here as well. Wow, others of you today. Right here, ma'am, I see your hand as well. Others today, call on him and say yes. I surrender Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Church online, you guys click right below me. A anybody else today, you're leaning into it, you're holding back, and you say, all right, here we go. One, two, three, lift up your hand and say, I surrender right now. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Would you all pray with those around you? Pray aloud, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you guys worship really, really big? This is a special time, special time. Bless those today who said yes to the grace of Jesus.